Hey everyone, welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoopy, and true a-crimey. With your hosts, Miss, Kevin, and Edie, your friendly neighborhood queers. My little jingle for any time I record an, an 80th episode of something. So today I finally got to whip it out. Perfect. I love it. Welcome to episode 80. He's so old that he belongs in a museum. Harrison Ford oh, is 80. Interesting. I regret to inform you that it's Jover for you hoes because Joe Biden is 80. Ooh. I didn't realize he was 80 already. He's incredibly old. Yeah. yeah. Speaking yep. of Joe's, Joe Pesci, 80. Oh. Okay. Am I a clown? Do I amuse you? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Christopher Walken, 80. I'm not doing a walk-in. I'm not doing a walk-in for you people. Not for free. Yep. <laughs> you got to subscribe. No. Got to yep. subscribe. If we ever get a Patreon, subscribe, get one. subscribe to my OnlyFans <laughs> for hot walk-in content. Uh, possible uh, future subject of the pod, Christopher Walken. Did he kill Natalie Wood? Did he, was though? he there? Was, was it Roger Moore? Who was it? Somebody on that boat. Somebody killed her. She's dead. Girlfriend of Sarah Paulson, Holland Taylor, 80. Holland Taylor. She does not look 80. Good she does her. not look 80. And from her, how thirsty she is on so Instagram thirsty. for Sarah Paulson. I know. It's beautiful. She's, they're still sticking it to each oh, other. All oh, the time. Her. All the time. That dishwasher is full of strap-ons. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bad mother. Shut your mouth. Richard Roundtree, a.k.a. Shaft, also right. 80. Uh, we've got two Monty Python members, Eric Idle and Michael Palin, both 80. And the woman who birthed the woman who birthed Goop, Blythe Danner, 80. Mm. <laughs> All right. Grand Goop. Grand Goop. Yes, the Grand Goop. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, speaking of uh, the scant memory space that we have in our lives, what memories, Miss, did you make this week? <laughs> Excellent segue. <laughs> uh, Segway Prince. Let's see. My weekend was really good. I watched my nephew Saturday night. And while he put up a valiant fight, I put that baby to bed and he did not go down easy. And I was very proud of myself. He is a year old. You punched that baby I unconscious and then he went baby. to sleep. He you heard it here first. So Hashtag cancel miss. She punched hard. a baby. 
he's just so strong and so wiggly and just will not be contained. But I contained him. And I was Good very for you. proud of that. Yesterday, everything broke on my computer, my mouse, and my story for today, what I had finished, was not saved. So that was a lot of fun. So we are recording on a Monday, not a Sunday. And still, even though things are mostly working, it's still not right. Something, Something got me, and I think I have the answer for it, which I cannot get into now, but I will during my spooky story. A witch's curse? Something. Something got me. But yeah, no, I had a good week. I had a good weekend. What about you, Edie? Well, Hmm. we had a weekend full of social engagements. I was positively bedeviled with meetings, (laughs) etc. We did brunch with Mama Fake Name. Excellent. Uh, At the end of brunch... It started raining really, really hard. Mama Fake Name realized that she had all of the windows in her (gasps) SUV open as well as the sunroof because she needed all of those windows open because she had her dog in the car. And so everything got wet. And then she had to... Oh, God. Look, I don't condone her dog being in the car. I don't condone it. But that's just... The dog wanted to be in the car and she wanted mm-hmm. the dog to be in the car. Mm-hmm. So she starts to get out of her mad woman parking spot because she parked very close to the Subaru in front of her, owned by the uh, server who was on his smoke break out front in front of us. So we are all just <laughs> watching my mother try and just like real cavalier, try and like not bump. Uh the cars in front of and behind her and i was like preparing myself to be like i'm just gonna get this guy's insurance information and then (laughs) get my mom's insurance information Uh and then just whatever it is we'll pay for it uh but it was fine she escaped she she fled the scene unscathed nice and then later that night we had a potluck porch hang with a few of the neighbors on my block i live on a block with uh that's full of uh row homes so we're all squidged together and a few of us squidgies got together had grub had some laughs it was a ball it was a blast and then i had to sleep all of sunday because i was exhausted yep respect that the recovery it was great Mm mm-hmm Kev, what'd you do? Did you go to Pride? Did you see Willem? I did go to Pride. Yes. Yes, I did. I did not see Willem. Willem was in town for Baltimore Pride, as well as some other queens. I think Layla McQueen and possibly Adore Delano. I can't recall. Hmm. But suffice to say, I didn't see any drag performances on Saturday during the parade. And then after that, in the evening, we went out to a queer dance party fun what kind of music did you dance to at the dance party oh it was a lot of vogue uh it was a lot of um club music right now and and gotcha gotcha yeah so it's not like a sock hop like a dance party no no miss they're not Not doing the lindy hop at the queer it wasn't a sadie hawkins in 2023 so you're telling me there were no lesbians there Oh, there were plenty. <laughs> Touche. Plenty. No, I'm just kidding. 
That actually sounds fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, it was a it good does time. Sound super fun. It, uh, we did, much like your mom's dogs, get completely stuck in the rain <laughs> at the Pride Parade. Everybody else that was in the parade, they had nowhere to go. So they just had to deal with it. As well yeah, as everybody. Just had else. to get all wet. It got wet, y'all. It was torrential. When I was in the Pride Parade years ago, uh, I would have killed for a downpour because it was like yes, 100% humidity and it was like 97 degrees. There was no Jesus. air to be breathed. Somebody who was like in the parade with me, like almost passed out. Like it was horrible. I hate summer. The things we do for equality. I know. And no, I was I just know. like, you queers, you better appreciate this. We're all dying. <laughs> <laughs> Kev, do you remember West Hollywood Pride where it was like fully 500,000 people uh-huh. crammed onto Santa Monica Boulevard? I went we used once. to do that every year. Yeah. I, well, I, I went once while year. I was there. It, I was intimidated to say the yeah. least. My first date with Mr. Fake Name was 2010 West Hollywood Pride. We saw En Vogue. I never going to get it. Never going to get it. I love everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. First date, Mr. Fake Name, West Hollywood Pride. James Franco was there. <laughs> I was a I was a younger person and a, a more LA looking person at the time. So James Franco made eyes at me and I chose <gasps> that night. James Franco versus Mr. Fake Name. I chose Ooh. Mr. Fake Name, and I Ooh. am well pleased with that choice because Very James Franco true. is a predator. But look at what could have been. Ooh. So good, good for you. Good for you. I would have had to. I would. He would have not respected my boundaries, and he would have uh-huh. made me uh, compliment his shitty poetry. And I'm glad that I dodged <laughs> that bullet. And I feel like he would make you take his last name, so you, you would have been like Edie Franco. And you've oh, heard I don't Edie know. Falco. I was going to yeah. say. Now get ready for Edie Who's Franco. Who's on the scene now? Edie Franco. <laughs> Welcome to the stage, Edie Franco. Welcome <laughs> to the stage, Edie And it's just Franco. you dressed as James Franco. <laughs> I'm glad that that's not the life that I'd chosen. I chose also, a, we wouldn't a be here doing better it. life. Yeah, no, we, we would wouldn't not. be here doing a pod. We wouldn't we would be doing not. this pod for better or for worse. I would be I'll still be under and the yet. NDA that I signed to get away from James Franco. I know. <laughs> Think of the missed if true crime story opportunities, inside scoops. Yeah, I would yeah. never be able to disclose. I know, but you could tell a, a wildly specific story with similar plot lines, and the person's name. Could be Edie Falco. <laughs> <laughs> then I've got Falco's lawyers knocking on my door. James Falco. <laughs> I have it all figured out. You stick with me, kid, and you'll go places. So perfect. <laughs> so perfect. It's called creative license. Read a newspaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, reading news, Ooh. investigating, the segue. Uh, getting Prince the info. Segue. Look at this. Vroom, vroom. Keep us on track, Edie. Keep <laughs> us on, <laughs> on track. track. 
I have. We're on the ADX Express. A- choo choo. Choo choo. This is so stupid. I'm sorry, so stupid. everyone Keep listening. <laughs> I have the true crime story today. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. And. Before getting into our specific topic, in general, today's story is about amateur sleuthing gone wrong. Mm. Is it kind of a stretch for the true crime genre? Well, if so, call me Stretch Armstrong because I'm full of corn syrup. (laughs) Now, amateur sleuthing in the internet age has long had its pitfalls and goof-em-ups. For example... After the Boston Marathon bombing on April 15th, 2013, users on Reddit created a group called r slash find Boston bombers. Yep. The goal of the subreddit was supposedly to organize the speculations and theories that were already coming into the fore through reputable news reporting in real time. Mm-hmm. The original moderators tried to enforce rules like prohibiting the posting of personal information, limiting the spread of information beyond the Fine Boston Bombers group, and urging users to leave law enforcement duties to the pros. But the subreddit's popularity and posting frequency grew too big, too fast, for a handful of mods to deal with. After it first gained traction on the subreddit, a picture of teenager Salahadeen Barhoum and grad student Yassine Zaimi ran on the cover of the New York Post with the headline, Bagmen. They were apparently pictured next to or near backpacks, and mm-hmm. so that was the smoking gun or yeah. the smoking backpack. Worse, these amateur sleuths wrongly pinpointed missing Brown University student Sonny Tripathi as one of the bombers. Sonny had been missing for a month by that point, and it turns out that the 22-year-old had died from suicide after his body was recovered two weeks later. He had Mm -hmm. died before the bombings even happened. Mm. So he was just missing, and they were like, it's got to be this guy? Yeah. Well, it could be this guy because he's been missing. Mm -hmm. Good. Amateur sleuth Wolfgang Halbig, a man now in his mid-70s, passed himself off as a school safety expert in the wake of the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Connecticut and worked with Alex Jones of InfoWars to promote the false claim that nobody died at that school that day and the shooting was instead a government-sponsored hoax with the ultimate goal of taking away Americans' right to bear arms. That whole debacle has resulted so far in defamation Mm -hmm. judgments against InfoWars to the tune of $1 billion. $1 billion. The both of you. Shame. (laughs) Look, look, it's... (laughs) We're people in our 30s. We have to make an Austin Powers reference. And you know what? Spoiler alert, not going to be the only Austin Powers reference in this story. So get ready. Well, color me intrigued. Well, today we're talking about sleuths of a different kind. I'm going to tell you all up top, we are spending today's story bouncing back and forth between the fun zone and bummersville and there is a content warning for transphobia and use of slurs throughout so listener if you want to skip to the spoopy story now would be your time Mm -hmm. the story start times are in our show notes so if you want to skip skip this is the warning today's story 
is about transvestigators. What the fuck? Transvestigators. What is that? Is that a thing? That's a real thing? What is that? Transvestigators, or proponents of the elite gender inversion conspiracy theory, believe that every famous or even marginally notable person is secretly trans and that being secretly trans is bad. Okay, that's slightly not as bad as I was thinking it was. Okay, I thought this was like... Oh, just wait. Okay, good, good, good. Now, you've all probably heard of at least one famous subject of transvestigation, uh, with a heaping helping of misogynoir on the side. In 2014, then-ancient comedian and fashion critic Joan Rivers was approached by paparazzi for a walk-and-talk. Here is what she had to say. Miss Rivers, how are you? You made you made a ton of news officiating the wedding in New York yesterday. Is this like a is this like a new uh, cottage uh, career move for you? I'm so excited. Okay. And I should do very well because I don't show. And do you think that the country will see the first the United States will see the first gay president or the first woman well, we president? We already have it with Obama, so let's just calm down. Got it. Huh? No, Michelle what? is a trans. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, oh yeah. A transgender. We all know. Oh my gosh. It's okay. Mm. Yeah, okay. I've actually It's funny. It's a joke. It's funny. It's not a, She didn't seem like she was joking. I I feel like I mean she's Joan fucking Rivers. It sounds Fair like enough. she's joking. But it's still a fucking stupid joke. But the thing is, Kevin, the thing is that Joan passed away during a cosmetic surgery procedure soon after speaking the truth about oh. Michelle Obama. Uh, we're so dumb. Or did she simply <laughs> pass away during a cosmetic surgery procedure soon after speaking the truth after Michelle Obama? Let's go to Alex Jones in 2016 for more. Obama is obsessing, saying he'll sue Texas, sue North Carolina if we don't teach five-year-olds how to be trannies, how to sexually confuse kids, and you're fair game. And, and don't forget, don't forget. The famous comedian, Joan Rivers, said, of course everyone knows she's a tranny. She's dead serious. Yeah, she's a man. Deader than a doornail in a routine operation where basically she had fire poured down her throat was a fire-breathing goblin. <laughs> dead on arrival. Shoot your mouth off, honey. You will die. <laughs> Libra. <laughs> oh, wait. I'm sorry. Did he say Joan? Evie, so they are you sure you're not wanting to do this in the spoopy section of the pod? Look, this is the thing. It is a conspiracy story, but it's also <laughs> a sleuthing story and it's pride. And I needed to do, I just needed to do transvestigators in June. And so this I is where it's my- our, it's our podcast and we do what we want. My spoopy story does have a slight element of true crime, so we can just call it a crossover. Uh, we'll just call you know it what? a draw. That's right. It's a crossover events. It's yeah. like when NBC does like a Chicago Fire crossover with a Chicago Med crossover with a Chicago Chicago. Uh-huh, uh-huh, those sh- uh-huh. Are those TV shows? Miss, they have an entire Chicago verse noun thing and pretty happening. soon it's going to be like chicago comptroller yes <laughs> chicago dpw Garbage cleaners 
garbage cleaners. Sanitation right. worker is what garbage I was looking cleaners. for. And I they take your garbage, they say, clean your garbage, they return <laughs> your garbage to you. I was going to, you. to say garbage men. <laughs> now, Alex Jones still to this day refers on air to his belief that Michelle Obama is secretly trans. And when he does, which is too often, he likes to call her Big Mike. It's gross and what? he's gross. Wow. But it's Cute. not just Michelle Obama or Serena Williams or Jamie Lee Curtis or the singer Pink, all <gasps> subjects of shitty gender speculation over the years. Transvestigators have what? a saying. They have a saying. Mm -hmm. It is all of them. It is all of them. What is them? All I of them. love what is living everybody in famous. Everybody famous. So Alex Anybody, Jones? They would probably say, yes, they've probably transvestigated Alex Jones. Somebody has probably huh. transvestigated Alex Jones. There are, you'll be very surprised and hopefully a little bit tickled mm -hmm. by some of these transvestigations. Okay. 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 So the transvestigators say me. it's all of them. But how do we know? <laughs> well, one main online transvestigator is Twitter user Bevy112 with 19,000 followers. Mm -mm, tasty. Bevy uses what she believes to be some kind of bone comparison science to argue that the shapes of celebrities' skulls, clavicles, chronology? Hips, are we talking the way about they walk, chronology? Basically, we, is this a joke? Oi. This is. You know what? Come these feel shapes, my head for bumps and tell me all about me. That these shapes of bones are clear evidence that every notable person mm -hmm. is secretly trans. So she looks at things like the Q angle. This is the quadriceps angle, or the angle between the anterior superior iliac spine of the pelvis, which is like around the, the part of your pelvis, like the socket part that your leg bone goes into. Okay, like your hip. Okay. Yeah, like that part of your hip and the midpoint of your kneecap. Apparently, in AMAB people, the Q angle is smaller than for AFAB people. So it'll be more sort up and down. Tracks. Sort of yeah, a more straight up and down look from hip to knee is more typically male, and a more pronounced Q angle is typically female. Bevy relies heavily on perceived Q angles in paparazzi photos, like the walking photos, to argue <laughs> that all famous women have undeniably male Q angles. <laughs> okay. Clavicles, also very important to Bevy. What if you're fat? Male clavicles. Show. Can't see mine. No clavicles. Can't see them. Protect it. That's a workaround. Male clavicles, Bevy says, are thick and straight across the shoulders. Female clavicles are thinner and in more of a V shape. And Bevy often picks photos and draws arbitrary lines, either straight across or in a V, to argue that countless celebrities are what they call secret gender inverts. So it's gender elite invert. gender inversion. So invert, like the former name of like all not homosexuals. Yeah, all not straight people used to be called skull shape. Huge for transvestigators. Male skulls huge and wide. Female skulls small and dainty. Every single time. Jaw okay. size. Well, I'm out because I have a massive dome. It is wide. It is huge. Look at this forehead. It is so big. I look like the ladies from like the 1500s who used to pick their hairline. 
<laughs> or um, Tinta Turnter. Tinta Turnter. Uh, Beyond Thunderdome. Yes, that too. Jaw size, relatedly, jaw size is a big deal. Again, male jaws are wide, their chins are huge, female jaws are narrow, soft, and pointy. And superimposing clip art skulls and jawbones onto celebrities' <laughs> faces is a very classic transvestigator pastime. Now, some of this junk bone science might remind you, as it reminded Miss, of some other junk bone science from a couple hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Phrenology, the now debunked pseudoscientific study of skull bumps, was a big one. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some history. Let's dive into the history zone. <laughs> Phrenology was developed by a German physician called Franz Josef Gall in 1796 and was influential in the early 19th century. Gall's idea was that the brain was composed of different muscles. It's not. The brain muscles that were used more often were bigger, which resulted in people having different skull shapes. It doesn't. Gall believed that the brain was made up of 27 individual organs that determined personality. It's not. To determine which... (laughs) Of these 27 organs were doing more or less, phrenologists would use their fingertips and palms to feel a patient's skull for enlargements or indentations. An enlarged organ would mean that the patient used that organ a lot. An indentation meant that the patient didn't use that organ very much at all. Each organ was located under a specific area of the skull, and they each did different things. Sense of color, uh, level of religiosity, level of combativeness, etc., And of course, phrenology became used to justify racism and gender stereotyping. Eugenics! Big time. Some phrenologists use the practice to argue for European superiority over other races. (gasps) One protege of Gaul's, right? What? Quel surprise. White people? One protege of Gauls used phrenology to conclude that Caucasians were the most beautiful race because, of course, beauty (laughs) is a quantitative (laughs) and easily observable. Honestly, this is also, I can make a direct link. It's objective. It's it's also the same thing behind the BMI. They were just measuring the, they were measuring the best form of white man and then decided that the best form of white man was the uh, aesthetic that was most pleasing. And then that is what healthcare providers prescribe today. So great. Science is cool and fun, especially (laughs) when it's actually science. That protege of Gauls who concluded through phrenology that Caucasians were the most beautiful also concluded that indigenous peoples of Australia and Aotearoa, New Zealand could never be civilized because they had no cerebral organ for producing great artists. Wonderful. The little what? organ in their, their skull bumps, they didn't have a skull bump where being a great artist was. And so their civilization was bullshit. Hmm. They were brown. That's what their problem was. And that's kind of what it was. Yeah. Because by comparing the skulls of different ethnic groups, phrenologists would rank the races from least to most evolved. And phrenology was used to advocate for slavery and that the natural inequality of people, often based on race, could be used to slot those people in their so-called proper place in the social hierarchy. You are scientifically worthless. You don't matter. Unlike we use IQ to do similar things today. No, Edie! I know. How could you I say know. that? IQ I know. is a perfect measuring tool of intelligence. 
I know, I'm just a big bummer buzzkill. Gender-wise, phrenology had its own issues. Phrenologists believed that women's heads were generally larger in the back and had lower foreheads. And so accordingly, the organs for success in the arts and sciences located near the forehead were thought to be underdeveloped, while the organs relating to child care and religion located in the back were larger. So clearly, women had no need to participate in politics or the workplace. Their skull dents show that they belong at home. Of course. No notes. 100%. A plus. Tens across the board. It might surprise you to know that it's actually not as easy as looking at the bones. In 1972, an anthropology professor at Penn State noticed that there were about 12% more male skeletons than female skeletons reported at archaeological sites. And he thought that was weird because you would think that the proportion of male to female skeletons should be around 50-50, the proportion between yeah. you know, generally sure. male to female people in the world over time. Mm-hmm. But the professor concluded that the reason for this bias was what he said was an irresistible temptation in many cases to call doubtful specimens male. And after that realization, research practices started to change. So in 1993, for example, another data set was published showing that that bias declines. The male to female skeleton ratio balanced out and that balancing was in part due to an increase in skeletons categorized as indeterminate after 1972, but almost none before then. So before 1972, these archaeologists were and anthropologists were looking at these bones and being like, well, we've got to make a decision one way or the other. After 1972, they've not done that in all cases. And nowadays, archaeologists usually assign a skeleton to one of five categories, male, probable male, unknown, female, or probable female. And one anthropology professor explains part of the reason why. She says, humans and non-humans exhibit a range of intersex conditions. So recognizing that there is a tremendous range of human variation, really what we identify are ideals about maleness and femaleness. And then we try to cram the majority of people into those ideals, even though they might not fit so well. And the British Association for Biological Anthropology and Osteoarchaeology published a statement in October 22 saying largely the same thing, that osteoarchaeologists and forensic anthropologists have to consider both the biological sex and gender identity of an individual, and these professionals understand that biological sex exists on a spectrum of which skeletons and the sexual variation they show is only one part of the greater whole. Heretics. Yeah. None of this scientific nuance can fool the transvestigators. I hate that word. I hate that name so much. It makes my blood boil. It's bad. It's bad. Because a key key point of transvestigation is one that is central to transphobia generally. Absolutely. Trans people, particularly trans women, want to trick us into believing that they're real. It's gender essentialism that's reliant on misguided assumptions. There are only two genders, male and female, and those two genders, when they're real, stick to rigid gender roles. But these skeletons are saying that that's not true. Man, fuck those skeletons. They're just probably men. They're probably men. Or they're probably women. Or they're probably... Uh, whatever they are, they're inverted. Whatever they are, they're not what we, they're not what they say they are. 
These bones are liars. <laughs> now, right wing shithead Matt Walsh made an entire mm. bad faith documentary about the subject mm-hmm. last year called What is a Woman? Question mark. Matt Walsh knew his answer to that question before he even made his shit ass movie. A woman is not a trans woman. Walsh's wife confirms this conclusion at the end of the movie. She's standing, of course, in the family kitchen, and she confirms for the camera that a woman is an adult human female, then hands Walsh a jar that her dainty female hands could not possibly open and says, who needs help opening this? What? I don't what? So because I can open jars? A woman is an adult human female who needs help opening this jar, daddy. Okay. It's just like a little cute gender essentialist button on the end of a shit-ass movie. Got it. It's a new take on old misogyny, right? Yeah, Women are right. fickle, overly complicated, False. They wear makeup to hide their true faces, well-fitting clothes to artificially enhance their bodies, and too often they won't fuck you when you want them to. Monsters. So it's no wonder that transphobia generally and transvestigation in particular tends to focus more on perceived trans femininity. The machinations of the patriarchy seek to impose its rules, and among the main rules are that women must be controllable and women must be fuckable. But transvestigators know that the elites who run Hollywood, hint, hint, are tricking us all by showing us fake fuckable women. So doesn't Hollywood elite generally have a connotation to it? You know, if you wanted to just, when I say elites who run Hollywood, just Uh put some three uh, parentheses around each of those words to delineate that I'm talking about (gasps) the Jews. Definitely put those. Totally. So the Jews are trying to make us think trans women are women. Yes. Trying to to confuse us sexually (laughs) to keep us from God. Bevy112 knows what's up. One post contains an image macro uh, showing a smiling Amelia Clark, star of Game of Thrones. Next right. to that photo are two clip art pictures of skeletons' jaws, one male, one female. The male clip art jaw is super wide with a giant chin, like 90s fast food mascot and 80 fake name childhood crush, Mac Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I had dozens of Mac Tonight toys when I was a kid. There's dozens Mm -hmm. of us. There are Mm -hmm. dozens of us. Dozens. I've posted on Instagram multiple times how much I loved Mac Tonight. Whenever Mac Tonight shows up on my feed, I will put him in my stories. I love that moon-faced cool guy. He wears sunglasses. He hangs out at night. He stays up late. He rides a motorcycle. He's a very cool guy. The female clip art jaw is narrow with a dainty pointy chin. And the text accompanying the post reads, I hate looking at Amelia Clark's mouth. Amelia's male dental arch is egregious. Hold on a second. What TV screen are you looking at? Yeah. Amelia Clark's male dental arch is egregious. She also has a... Aren't women supposed to have pointed chins? Her chin's pointed? Not pointed enough, miss. What? Not What is it that made her so not her mouth? 
Her male dental arch is egregious. Okay. According to Bevy, everyone, even marginally famous, indeed anyone whose photo is available on Getty Images, is a secret (laughs) tran or elite gender invert. It's not just women, though. It's everyone. Thank God. Another bevy post shows cool guy Elon Musk with the text, even when wearing a suit, Elon's curvy female spine (laughs) is evident. Wait, wait, wait. Our spines are curvy? Yeah. He had a a curvy female spine because he was wearing a suit that had kind of a tail to it. Of course. And then the picture has a little MS Paint Uh S-shaped doodle where his spine is Mm -hmm. to say, even when wearing a suit, Elon's curvy female spine is evident. And that's shocking because wearing men's clothing makes you a man, right? So, like, if I put on a man's suit, I would be a man. Isn't that... No. no. You would be tricking us into yeah, thinking that us. you were a man. Well, it means I succeeded. <laughs> wow. Wow. Hashtag Miss is EGI? Yeah. An elite gender invert? Wow. Hell yeah, come at Look, me. Come at me. Y'all should have canceled Miss when Do we you have a, a photo on Getty Images? Because if you do... I regret to inform you, know what? you, you are two a secret are both, tran. You guys are both more likely to have a picture on Getty Images than I am. <laughs> the point is, listener, that nobody is safe. Not even Top G himself. On June 17th, 2023, Bevy retweeted a post from user EGI Luke Manukum containing a video accusing misogynist grifter and guy accused of sex trafficking Andrew Tate of being a secret woman. Currently accused. Currently. Yes. Currently in under arrest in Romania. Currently. Currently in house arrest in House's Romania, awaiting trial for many crimes. Pretty the uh, video So bad. Mr. Big Man himself. Yes. Okay. It's so good. It's the big the video superimposes clip art of a so-called male skull and so-called female skull over images art. of Tate. I love it. Text over a clip of Tate walking reads, the wow. sideshow Bob walk is due to a female obscuring their natural gait. So because he walks too, like, oh, bow-leggedy. Could you imagine Andrew Tate watching or reading about these descriptions of himself? It would, would make his, his head explode. Mind. His feminine it's, head would explode. Honestly, I kind of love this. It's great. <laughs> Another part of the video shows a freeze frame of a shirtless Tate next to a photo of a shirtless fat bastard from Austin Powers with the text, look at my titties. Does does everybody know that men have breast tissue? They're born with it? The amount, I skipped it, but the amount of nipple discussion and accusations of necrotic nipples what? Because you would get necrotic nipples if you, uh, depending on what kind of top surgery you have, if you have your oh, nipples taken off and then removed, they Got would it. not necessarily okay. have um, mm-hmm. nerve endings attached to them uh, anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all of these mm-hmm. these accusations of like, this is obvious top surgery. And I'm like, 
girl, if top surgery always looked that good, do you? We would that never would be know. a miracle. Nobody would, you would never know anybody had top surgery. Do you think there's just a bunch of terrible doctors around the world doing those other top surgeries? Anyway, mm-hmm. good for thought. I mean, like, would it surprise me that there are like super good doctors that only amazing techniques that are only available to the ultra wealthy like that wouldn't necessarily surprise me but like no actually no because you've got to be able to no we would we would know we would know (laughs) if that were possible we would we would know chas bono would have been able to get the like one percenter top surgery yeah he's Cher's son that's fair yeah yeah Give him the top surgery. <laughs> yes. Give him the adrenochrome top surgery, dog. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> Even turf royalty Joanne Rowling isn't safe. One transvestigator wrote on Twitter that predators are coming to a lady's toilet near you and or as a teacher in a school. Another user replied with a picture of J.K. Rowling and asked, you think this woman is a predator? The irony. The reply, it's a man. (laughs) That's a man, Maury. That's a man, (laughs) Maury. That's a man, Maury. So again, the two people that this is acceptable for, Rowling and Tate. All the rest of it is bullshit. (laughs) Only transvestigate people we hate. Oh, Musk can stay too. Yeah. Oh, Musk can stay too. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another notable transvestigator, Inanna Snow, on YouTube discussing presidents. Presidents have all been females. First laddies are their male handlers. And presidents have all been selected not elected they give us the illusion of choice well they're true with that there's valid argument in that second part yeah (laughs) now i look maybe you're not convinced that all presidents are women and that first laddies are their male handlers i kind of hashtag first laddies kind of love that I would love to be a first laddie so Mm. if you're not convinced maybe you just haven't heard enough that's it and many people have been programmed to believe that if you don't support one side, then you support the other. So I came prepared for that. And I put a picture of the other child abuser on the other side. Okay? I don't support either one of Satan's puppets or any Ooh, of the politicians spicy. that we are ever given to vote from. There was a part where she's talking about Trump, mm-hmm. saying that Trump is lacking what Michelle Obama is packing, uh-huh. and also says it was Trump's presidency was foreshadowed in an episode of The Simpsons, well, yes. and also in the Lego movie. And she says, just think about, just look at president business. That was supposed <laughs> to be Trump. President business. <laughs> Mr. Business. President Business, the character in the Lego movie, foreshadowed Uh Trump's presidency. Right. 
Okay, fine. Back to Hollywood. One post on Inanna Snow's Facebook group called Transvestigation Disclosure Now with 14,000 members 14, shows a picture 000. of former Superman and former Witcher and now just regular guy Henry Cavill with the following text. Henry Cavill's girly eye shows oh. Henry Cavill not a guy. Oh. No matter how much work they get done, they can't change the energy coming out of the eyes. Sure the windows to the soul. Ah. Uh. Ah. Uh. I want that on my headstone. Henry Cavill's girly eye shows Henry Cavill not a guy. That is, is hilarious, by the way. Poetry. Poetry. Henry Cavill. Okay. Henry Cavill, if we want to talk about dental I mean, he's a, arches he's and skull size, he's, he's got like a, 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 a Lego size. head. Yeah. He's Fully got the square head. head. Square head, yeah, yeah. The burliest of chins. Like the, he's the, huge. He's huge, the chin. broadest of shoulders. Oh, uh, I got to stop. But it's the eyes. It's the <laughs> eyes. Easy, Kevin. He's getting too hot under the collar. The eyes that could choke a bear. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we named our episode because I want that to be the name of the episode. Thighs that can choke a bear. Or an otter in your case, Kevin. (laughs) Another post shows old Hollywood legends Betty Davis and Joan Crawford with the text, Betty Davis, Joan Crawford, obvious dudes. This shit has been going on a very long time. Sunglasses emoji. Betty Davis was so beautiful that there is a 80s song specifically about her eyes. Well, uh, what's her name? Bonnie, someone, Bonnie Car, Car, something, but um, that singer, we should Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. transvestigate her. Oh, yeah. It's all connected. It's all connected. They're all one, right? Or whatever it is. Yeah. I know Betty Davis is a guy. That is. Beautiful. On and on and on and on. Every famo is trans, and trans famos are double trans. Mm. So is that reverse trans? How can you? Yeah, it's for example, Caitlyn Jenner, like Entertainment Seven Twenty. Yes, (laughs) it's it's exactly Entertainment Seven (laughs) Twenty. Two rotations, Uh two full rotations. So Caitlyn Jenner assigned female at birth. But then did uh, early transing into Bruce Jenner wow. and then retrans, re-trans. Into Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, okay. Did we know it was that simple and easy? And it's like fun? so easy to do. Fun and simple. Well, I mean, not fun and simple for you and me, but for those who are controlled by who are just on the merry-go-round, right? <laughs> So Facebook and Twitter posts viewed by tens of thousands of people accuse everyone of being trans. And of course, being trans is bad, but all could not be so easy for so long. That's right. Members of the group began transvestigating the transvestigators. I was of just going to say, the snake is eating its tail. I knew it. <laughs> you can trust no one. Around April 2022, members of the Facebook group started accusing Inanna of being trans. In response, Inanna released her own transvestigation video, linked in the show notes, debunking the claims. Superimposed over the video are bits of text in impact font, like, 
Sexy female energy. <laughs> Curving female a- back. No. Footage of Anana shooting guns. Footage of Anana at the beach. More impact font. Sloping shoulders. Flaring hip bone. Inanna blowing a kiss. Female skull. Female hips. <laughs> female cue angle. Barely blurred footage of a fully nude Inanna. Inanna Snow. Real girl. Real queen. Wow. Okay. It's incredible. Okay. The video is incredible. Okay. And she's shooting guns to show that she's like a she's like a real rebel American that she's oh, like really she's knows what's up, uh, like guns in our just, Christmas card kind of person. Yes, Got and it. she she does her own. She like draws a line, delineating her own cue angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, she <laughs> definitely has some. Barely blurred nude footage in that YouTube video. Whatever you got to do to prove your point, I guess. Yeah. But alas, the damage was done. The Facebook group <laughs> has splintered into the original, still run by Anana. Transvestigation disclosure now 2.0 with only 630 <laughs> members. And transvestigation disclosure now 3.0, free from Anana's censorship with 2.3 thousand members. <laughs> That's so many people. I mean, in like the grand scheme of things, it's not that many people, but that is so many. It's but too it's many a people. Cult of a cult of a cult. Yeah. And then yes. they're yes. talking about trans being trans being trans. So it's like multi trans, multi layered. Yeah. And they themselves have spun themselves into so. Yes. Like, <laughs> What is this it's a spider web. It's a spider web. People's brains get melted. One woman eventually took to Twitter, accusing her former friends and co-workers of being elite gender inverts. Oof. One tweet with a picture included has the following text. Here's me, blonde, real woman, and my ex-supposed best friend, maid of honor at my wedding, and a man. She's from the Isle of Man. There's a lot of inverted things Proof. living there. Another tweet shows a picture of the poster's friend and her boyfriend on the London Eye. The accompanying text reads, This woman also worked in the nursery looking after children. Look at the size of her head and facial features compared to her boyfriend. They live amongst us. They look after our children. (laughs) And obviously they're doing fine. The kids are fine. Finally, the poster tweeted a photo of strangers in line ahead of her at a coffee shop. She superimposed horizontal red lines across the stranger's shoulders and hip areas to say, I guess, something about the ratios. I have very The text shoulders. accompanying reads, Everywhere I go, I see women with no butts, big shoulders and brow ridges, men with big butts, sloping shoulders, and pretty eyes. Real men and women seem scarce. Well, I got to say, Kevin is probably the prettiest and daintiest of the three of us. So maybe maybe they're That's right. Fair. How sloping are your true. shoulders? How pretty are your eyes? I mean, I mean, if I do say so myself. I mean, gorgeous. he's very pretty eyes. I don't know uh, about. Yeah. Look at these. Very at sloping. These linebacker over here. Come at me. Well, these, <laughs> these real world transvestigations are not limited to posting melted accusations online. And you don't have to be a member of these Facebook groups or a follower of people like Bevy 112 
to engage in this kind of behavior. I don't know about you, but I've encountered several videos online of people minding their own business in bathrooms before being approached by a busybody asking about their assigned sex and whether they belong where they are. People get their phones out themselves to film the encounters for their own safety. And in the videos that I've seen, the person being accosted has usually been cis. Mm Mm-hmm. In July 2022, a trans man named Noah Ruiz was using the women's restroom at a campground in Ohio because the campground owner told him to. When he was inside, a woman got very upset that a man was in the women's bathroom. Ruiz told the woman he was trans and he was told to use the women's room. When Ruiz and his girlfriend left the bathroom, he reports being jumped by three big dudes who lifted him off the ground and choked him while using slurs and threatening to kill him. A crowd gathered. Ruiz admittedly got heated and went into defense mode, screaming and yelling because nobody was listening to him and he was getting his shit rocked. When police arrived, Ruiz was arrested for disorderly conduct. Obviously. Rather than the three guys who jumped him. Obviously. So while we can and should clown on transvestigation, we've got to stay frosty. The fever pitch that transphobia in the public discourse is hitting right now is truly dangerous. And transvestigation is just a fringe element of a feeling that is becoming more and more mainstream, that trans people are tricking the public. And confrontations online. Yes. It's what people used to do in the 50s, where even the suspicion of being gay was enough. You don't follow the rules enough. You don't look right. And therefore, right, you need right. to be expelled from society. Lavender scare, future subject of the pod. Mm-hmm. Confrontations online have been making their way into the meat space, in school board meetings, in the streets, mm-hmm. at libraries, in public bathrooms. Why? Well, hatred and fear of the other, sure. But it's also no surprise that transvestigators also tend to be concerned about the new world order and elites, wink, wink, in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. wink, wink. Mm -hmm. And it's no surprise that Bevy112 also posts flat earth content. Because if everybody is secretly trans, somebody is keeping that secret. And as we know from peeling the layers of the conspiracy onion in other contexts, these powerful secret keepers are often Jewish. So there you have it. It's all the same. There's nothing new under the sun. Happy Pride. Hang in there. And that's a little bit about transvestigators. <sighs> that was well, was it a conspiracy spoop dressed up as a true crime story? Sure. Doesn't sure. matter. <laughs> I think it's I think well, it's no, 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 no. The, the gentleman got jumped at the end. That's there you go. There, there you go. go. Mm-hmm. It counts. Mm-hmm. That it counts. counts. So uh, that like. Uh, I mean. Some of that is not unknown to me from the interwebs, but a lot of that is not. It's just fucking wild and fucking weird. Just those people are just like number one. Number one. What are you doing? Why? Why do you care? Why are you wasting your time and energy on this? There's a secret they don't want us to know. The secret is everywhere. So it's not a secret. Once you start seeing it then you can't unsee it. It's just one of those like rabbit hole type things yeah. that's really They've created this Pokemon go in their minds Yeah, where they yeah. look around everywhere and see Pokemon them. go to the Q angle analysis. Mm-hmm. There, you go. Mm-hmm. there you go. Compare the clavicles. 
is there an S curve to the spine? You know, every Look person at the has a curve to your spine unless your spine is fused. But you can't <laughs> attack them with logic. No, you can't. No, you can't attack people. Yeah, logic. this is definitely one of those things where, like, you can draw the MS paint lines anywhere. You can. Like Perez Hilton. And, exactly. Yeah. It's and the, it's very, like, 2002 to 2005 Perez Hilton, mm-hmm. the way that these things are done. And Bevy really likes, uh, she, she favors a an Austin Powers style, like, jaunty, colorful font. When she's talking about Q angles okay. and clavicles and dental arches. Keep it fun. Keep it. You got to keep it fun when you're accusing everybody of being secretly trans so that the Jews can keep us away from God by making us all sexually deviant. Indeed. Well, I appreciate you bringing this story to the uh, attention of our, our listeners because like it, it's a you got to stay vigilant, people. These this, this is happening way too much. Keep your heads on a swivel, friends. It is. Uh, miss, miss, you got your spoop? I do. Slightly, slightly less bizarre. But How many Austin Powers references are in your spoop? 17. Excellent. Okay. So in episode two, I told the story of the exorcism of Roland Doe. To remind you, Doe was a 14-year-old boy who was the victim of a demonic possession. As discussed there, his story was made into a novel, The Exorcist, and later, the movie by the same name in 1973. For more information, go listen to episode two. Never heard of it. Mm -hmm. What I am mostly talking about today is the weird behind-the-scenes shit that happened from the making of... The Exorcist. And there is a lot of weird shit that happened. Unfortunately, my computer became possessed this weekend. And I had an original story with a slightly different angle that I pieced together a bit. But my my Word document didn't save. And then I couldn't log it into my computer yesterday. And then my internet was going in and out today when I was trying to restitch that bitch back together. The devil ate her homework, listener. Jesus. Cut her a goddamn yes. break. Have y'all seen The Exorcist, the original? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your okay. mother sucks cocks in hell. That is one part of a scene, yes. But just for listeners, in case you haven't, honestly, it it uh, holds up. It's a good movie. It's worth watching. In the movie, Regan, 12-year-old girl played by Linda Blair, begins acting strange. And her mother starts hearing noises in the attics. She blames rats while Reagan tells her it's her imaginary friend, Captain Howdy. Very upsetting. Reagan starts to become violent and is taken in for a battery of tests after Chris, her mother, isn't satisfied. It's just not, quote, her nerves. First, doctors think there could be a lesion on her front or lobe that would explain differences in her behaviors. However, Reagan soon becomes violent and verbally abusive. And after increasingly painful and invasive testing, doctors can't find anything at all. Almost flippantly, a doctor suggests that maybe she should contact a priest for an exorcism, if only for the psychological impact it could have. Chris is not religious. Never a good suggestion. No, it's not. Unless you're a part of this movie, in which case it is. 
In which case, yeah, it is. Because then you you need to have the movie. You need to have, like, the inciting incident of the movie. Absolutely. Chris is not religious, rejects the idea, and insists she's not going to put her daughter away in religious sense or in a, like, hospital. Eventually, Reagan's behavior becomes so out of control. And one night, she goes in, and she's here. She... Reagan's bed is flying up and down off the ground and she's screaming and she can't get it to stop. Chris throws herself on the bed to get it to stop and it won't. And then one time there's the famous scene where she's like stabbing herself in her genitals with a crucifix. And um, yeah, evocative. And then like the demon. Who is she? Albert Fish? Yeah, yep. She's possessed by the demon of Albert Fish. It's a it's a it's a, a, a serial killer deep cut. So out of options and so there was also the head spinning all the way around that we're familiar with. Chris is at her wit's end. She's now been attacked by Reagan and enter Father Karis, a disillusioned priest slowly losing his faith and had just recently lost his mother. Um Miss Thunder just started when you're talking about the exorcist. I'm telling this you, is, I started the researching devil this is and displeased. my computer was possessed by the devil. Okay. It's haunted. Don't even talk about it. <laughs> She's haunted. <laughs> so he reluctantly goes, the priest reluctantly goes to visit the child. He doesn't believe she's possessed, but after like increasingly wild shit, he, he, he's not sure what's going on and still goes to his superior. And then they get permission for the exorcism. It's him. It is an older priest. They begin. And, uh, one of the voices of the demon tells Karis, whose mother just died, that your mother sucks cocks in hell. And then, after he leaves and goes back, the older priest goes in by himself. He comes back and the older priest is somehow dead. So the main priest just starts beating the shit out of this little girl. That's the fucking best. I love, like, I love I like, to be like a violence demon. against the like, <laughs> like a tiny baby when the baby's like possessed like by the devil. That's 12 so year old, funny. 14 year old, however old she was, Linda Blair just like in like the crazy makeup and like the green pea vomit and just like anyway so he she rips off his saint joseph medallion and screams at the demon to possess him and the demon listens and reagan is freed and the priest throws himself out the window and falls down the stairs and dies the movie was a national sensation when it came out december 26 1973 Right after right Christmas. Oh, wow. Right I didn't know after that. Christmas. Oh, yeah. It was the scariest movie ever made up until that point. Critical reviews were mixed, but the public was captivated. People waited in long lines in the dead of winter to see it many multiple times. Viewers fainted or vomited in the theaters. Though it was. I mean, all right. It's not mm-hmm. that intense. 
At the I mean, time, it is it considering really that at the time it was. Yeah, it's not like, like the Serbian film or something. That no, movie's like, like apparently. I really... watched it recently, and I can't say it was even scary. I thought it was intriguing. I thought it was suspenseful. I thought it was a very good movie. But based on everything we've been exposed to, I wouldn't even call it scary. But considering like never seeing anything that was made after 1973. I can see how it would be it would be scary. Yeah. But totally. it's not just horror. It is the religious horror specifically that freaked people out. Even though the movie was rated R, adults took children to the movies, leading to accusations that the ratings board, the MPAA, had done them a favor instead of making it an X-rated film, which would have prevented children altogether. And The Exorcist was the first horror film to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. It was also nominated for nine other awards that year. Nice. The influence that The Exorcist had on pop culture and religion in America cannot be understated. Director William Friedkin, one of the best things that could happen is if the Pope denounces it. Unfortunately for him, (coughs) I'm being attacked by the devil. Unfortunately for him, there was no formal denouncement from the Pope, but churches and individual priests were not happy with the films or its themes. But what I found fascinating was that a Jesuit priest and psychologist, just like Father Karras in the movie, said, quote, there's no shred of evidence in the Bible that the devil can possess an individual. Another priest and psychologist said, being a Christian and a mature person means coming to terms with our own capacity for evil and not projecting it onto an outside force that possesses us. Man, like tell that to the fucking church though. Tell that to the Vatican. Here's the thing. Tell that to Russell Crowe, the Pope's exorcist himself. Oh my God. I came across that when I was was doing all of this and I was just, he looks, he... No, I, the movie is dog shit and it I, did dog shit numbers too. I mean, so I'll like, never that's watch great. it. But. <laughs> no, no, don't. So like besides like the rampant, violent sexual abuse occurring at the time and now, did like priests, were they just like more reasonable back then? Because it sounds like a very reasonable position for a priest to say, it's not real. Like, you're just projecting. No, they weren't because the seventies is when Annalisa Michelle got you're right. exercised. You're to right. Death. You're right. If it's not in the Bible, if even these these Catholic priests aren't saying it's it, that possible, the widespread belief ki- is kind of baffling. But um, at the time, many used The Exorcist and Watergate to prove that the church was losing its hold over American society and their souls. With religion mixed with psychology and medical science, the public discourse surrounding it was how Americans thought about supposed authority figures like doctors, scientists, priests, police officers. They could now appear to be self-interested or ineffective, which was, you know, it was this... It was the 70s. It was a time of fucking authority. It was a new idea. Fucking anything went in the 70s, man. Especially by like like the early 70s. Like we were in it. Studio 54, man. Yeah. (laughs) Billy Graham said that watching The Exorcist was the same thing as inviting the devil into your soul. And that the movie was, quote, spiritual pornography. And I got to tell you, if I was a teenager and I heard that, nothing would have made me want to see that movie more. For sure. Buy a million tickets to spiritual (laughs) pornography. For sure. 
the tagline for the movie itself was, quote, somewhere between science and superstition. And most of the movie's success can be attributed to the fact that many Americans believed possession by the devil or demons was possible, or at the very least, they were too superstitious to outright denounce it. The Exorcist allowed for the idea that one could be possessed spread like a disease. Suddenly, everything could be blamed on the devil. Next came the Amityville horror, as we know, was completely made up. But the made up story is that the Lutz father was possessed by a demon. And in order to save his family from murdering them, they had to flee in the middle of the night. And then we come to 1980 and the abomination of Michelle Remembers a completely made up oh, story written future by a, subject of the pod. Um, Michelle hold remembers. On. I literally called dibs in these notes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Fair. Uh, completely made up story written by a woman and her psychologist detailing alleged recovered memories of satanic oh. rituals. She claimed to be forced to attend and participate in. I'm not going to go into any more detail because I literally wrote it here. It's a future subject of the pod dibs. it ushered in the era of the satanic panic the exorcist itself cannot be blamed for ushering that in but it was a part of the zeitgeist that got us there it was it was in the soup it was and it was it ushered in the era that told us the devil was real he was coming for your children and you better follow the rules and fall in line or you're fucking next anyway my story is just about weird shit and it's very short, but I can't ever resist talking about satanic panic and potential links there too, because it's like my favorite thing in a weird, dark way. Just a few things that happened. First, film sets, especially at the time, were lit by many very, very hot lamps. To prevent fires, sets have giant coolers to keep them chilled. The first set constructed for the film was the McNeil house where Chris and her daughter Reagan lived. Then one night there was a massive fire and the entire set went up for reasons unknown. Even to this day, it was nearly impossible to put out, but by the time it was older, it was completely burnt except Reagan's bedroom, which was 100% untouched by fire. I mean, that's pretty great. That's pretty great. It's pretty fucking cool. And irony of ironies, they even called a priest to bless the space because everyone was so fucking freaked out. Shut the fuck up. I'm not joking. During the scene where Reagan is attacking herself with a crucifix, Ellen Burstyn, who plays Chris, her mother, rushes over to stop her. And, you know, Reagan says, suck me, mother, and like thrusts her head like in her bloodied crotch region. And anyway. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Suck me, mother is such a fucking good line. It is. And like her face comes back and it's bloodied. It's upsetting. But like demon Reagan then violently like pushes her away, like with her demon powers. And Chris lets out a bone chilling scream, which is to be expected. But it wasn't her character reacting in horror, but her real screams of pain. Ellen was rigged with wires so that it would be pulled by someone off screen so it didn't look so it wasn't like the child like pushing her physically with her hands. It looked like her powers were thrusting her across the room. The stuntman 
who was in charge of those wires pulled so hard that she landed strangely on her back and it caused a permanent spinal injury. So those screens are real screens of like horrible pain. Director William Friedkin would often fire guns or slap actors across the face right before filming a scene so he could get legitimate reactions out of oh them. Oh, my God. No, so Ellen Burstyn's been through enough. She got addicted to drugs and Requiem for a Dream. And it was probably because of that back injury. Honest to God, <laughs> yeah. The voice of the demon that possessed Reagan was performed by radio and film actress Mercedes McCambridge. To get the distinctive voices, the actress swallowed raw eggs, smoked incredible amounts of cigarettes, and gave up her sobriety and drank alcohol to make the scenes seem authentic as possible. Guess what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it to do no, that. No, never give up your you sobriety. Don't have to, for you don't need to do that for the movie. No, yeah. you don't need to do that for the movie. No, you don't. Though completely unrelated, in 1987, her son killed his wife and kids and then himself. And this is, there are at least nine deaths that are associated with cast and crew members that happened Mm -hmm. after the filming was done. And that's not even a part of them. That's just a coincidental tragedy. The devil! Mm Mm-hmm. One woman saw the movie in theaters and was so scared, she passed out and fell and broke her jaw. Oh, my God. She sued Warner Brothers and settled the case for an undisclosed amount, though speculation seems to suggest that it was an incredibly high number. Wow. Now, finally. And there's, like, a ton more, but like I said, the devil was working against me, and I couldn't get it all. But... Paul Bateson was the actor who played the radio tech during one of Reagan's incredibly invasive testing. Interestingly, he was actually, before he was an actor, a radio tech in real life. Medical professionals actually praised the scene for its realism, which no doubt was helped by his actual skills. In 1979, he was convicted of murdering film journalist Addison Verrill, and sentenced to 20 years in prison. He was eventually released in 2003. However, while he was in, he often and loudly bragged that he was connected to other crimes. Oh. In New York City in the early 70s, there was a series of murders called the Bag Murders, future subject of the pod. Uh, In the bag murders, six supposed gay men were murdered, dismembered, and remained stuffed into garbage bags and thrown into the Hudson River. The only thing police found that connected them was that all of the victims were wearing various items of leather or leather clothing that were linked Mm. to specific leather shops in Greenwich Village, the neighborhood of the time. Yes. Bateson was arrested for the murder that he was convicted of, but there was little evidence linking him to the crimes aside from the links that were obvious. He was known in that area and hearsay evidence, hearsay accounts. But his claims of being the killer led the director to visit Bateson in jail. 
Friedkin then used Bateson's stories and Gerald Walker's 1970 novel Cruising to make the oh. wildly inappropriate 1980 film by yeah. the same name called no. called Cruising, starring Al, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. It is cruising. a horrible, horrible, horrible movie. Uh, Listener, don't watch Cruising. Don't it fucking sucks. watch it. It's horrible. You want to watch a good queer Al Pacino movie? Uh, fucking watch Dog Day Afternoon. It rules. Oh. It also stars Chris Sarandon, who's 80. <laughs> <laughs> but um, while there are many more wild uh, coincidences and really bizarre happening behind the scenes, the, uh, those are the main ones, and the mm-hmm. Paul Bateson one is the most interesting to me. Um. But yeah, having been fighting the devil all fucking weekend to get this story together, I present you with The Exorcist, its cultural impacts, its leading to the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s, and ultimately fucking serial murder. (laughs) Good lord. That's it. I'm so glad that you fought the devil, miss. I'm I'm so so glad that you fought the devil devil and you won. and And the miss won. Yeah. And 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 they tried during the uh, recording. You did start hacking up. I did as soon as I started talking. The devil got me in my throat. Just saying. And then right before we were recording, he tried to take my Wi-Fi. I wouldn't let him. If you want to watch a truly good horror movie, Exorcist Three, one of my favorites. Very very good. All right. Haven't not, seen it. Not generally into Exorcist well, movies. I'm too much of a lapsed Catholic for it. The thing about The Exorcist 3 is that while it is The Exorcist 3, it is much more of like a true crime murder mystery than it is like Catholic, than like the first one, which was very Catholic, very exorcism. But yeah, check it out. Well, cool. Fucking cool. I'll yeah. check it out. Thank you. Yeah. Woohoo. Woohoo! Well, maybe I'll make it a, a, a triple feature because I know I'm going to do Barbie, Oppenheimer, <laughs> Exorcist 3. Now, wait. Okay. This is a serious question. Do I watch Barbie and then Oppenheimer or do I watch Oppenheimer and then Barbie? So do Oppenheimer first and then do Barbie because you want to feel good afterward. I want to feel good at the ends. I want to feel good at the ends. Yeah. All right. Bless this mess, y'all. Indeed. So, Miss, where can people find us on social medias these days? These days? Why don't you check us out on Instagram at creepyinquiriespod.com. If you've ever been possessed by the devil, you could send us an email at creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com. Tell us all about it. If you're interested in our sources, check out creepyinquiriespod.com. And then if you've got a second and you're feeling good and generous, hit us up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a little rate and review. It really helps us out. Five stars or I will give Pazuzu your home address. <gasps> She'll get real fucked up. Your oh, skin's yeah. going go to go to shit. you to Pazuzu. Your Ugh, skin's going to go no. to shit. You're going to start puking up pea soup. All into of that. priest mouths. Uh, just avoid that. Just the five yeah. stars, please, people. Thank five you. stars. Listener, thank you so much for joining us on episode 80, the Joy Behar aged episode. Oh. Who cares? So what? So what? Who cares? So what? So Who what? Cares? Who cares? <laughs>
I love that. <laughs> and until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.